Welcome again, everybody, to another episode of Need Some Introduction. Today's episode is going to be all about succession. First, a conversation between me and Sona about last week's episode of Succession, The Disruption, followed by another conversation between me and Sona, breaking down the most recent episode, Lion in the Meadow. If you'd like to hear my initial review, a little more in-depth breakdown of last week's episode, make sure to check out the most recent previous episode to this one. Make sure you rate, review, and subscribe to us on your favorite podcasting apps. It helps us find new listeners. It's a great way to support us. And you'll be notified as soon as, soon as new episodes are available. And stay tuned because probably within a day or so, you'll have a conversation where Sona and I are now covering as well the latest season, the reboot, one of these apparently uh, never-ending resurrections of old series, Dexter, New Blood. And we've already had that conversation, and I will simply be splitting it off into a separate episode. So if you enjoy our recaps, by the way, and you're new to listening, or relatively new, we have recaps of Mayor of Easttown. We have recaps of Nine Perfect Strangers, Only Murders in the Building, both on Hulu, Loki, if you're catching up on that show. And if you look through our feed, you'll see other standalone reviews and commentary I've given on popular Netflix shows such as Squid Game and movie reviews and other content like that. There's also music episodes, so a lot to see in our backlog if you haven't explored those already. And as always, reach out to me if you have any commentary, need some introduction at gmail.com. With all of that out of the way, let's get the conversation going. All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Need Some Introduction. In today's episode, we will be discussing mostly exclusively, I think maybe entirely, succession. I'm joined again by Sona. Hi. And to start things off, you're actually going to hear, I'm going to splice it in right now. We're going to splice in the conversation that I had with Sona about last week's episode of Succession. Oh okay. And then about halfway through, we're going to jump into the current week's episode, season three, episode four, Lion in the Meadow. So we're going to cut to that conversation now, and then we'll be back. So what did you think of season three, episode three, The Disruption? I liked this. Um, I mean, I always like Succession, I guess. There really hasn't been an episode I would say I didn't like. But um, what I really loved was Kendall's use of the speakers at the annual meeting. Oh, yeah. Uh, or yeah. I'm not sure it was the annual meeting, but at the, um, the town hall meeting. The town, the town hall, hall, yeah. Yeah. Um, I thought that was just really interesting. Like they had a kind of throwaway line about how the whole place was wired up and speakers everywhere. And then, you know, later it comes out that Kendall has used that to <laughs> pipe in that Nirvana song that yep. I completely forgot about, yep. <laughs> but very apropos for the circumstances. Yep, exactly. And of course, like completely um, unnerving and humiliating for what is supposed to be Shiv's big moment there. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, so, I think she really, um, and you know, I'm not her, her biggest fan or mm -hmm. really a fan at all, but you know, this was, I think, supposed to be her moment to seize control and power and like be the new face of everything. And he just dashed it all. Yep. Yep. The, yeah. So for me, this episode is such a Kendall episode and, uh, but uh, with Shiv as well. So I think like, you know, the focus always kind of moves around last week's episode, actually definitely the season premiere 
it's really ju- bouncing around between all the, the dynamics between all these different characters. This episode was much more contained in that, first of all, I thought Jeremy Strong did an incredible job uh, in this episode. It's probably my, my favorite yeah. that he's done. And just watching his face, I, I, I really like this kind of subtle acting where you have to like really read someone's expression. Yeah. And I think about so many times throughout this episode when even in the very beginning when he's getting interviewed and he's like, you know, very conscious of like, what are you going to say about me ordering this salad or whatever? And you see his face going like, you're not going to write about this, are you? And it's just like these little micro expressions or when he brings she brings up, uh, oh, and how how do your siblings feel about all this? And you see how his, his expression changes. And it's like uh, it, just incredible work. And then I also think about that towards the end when the, you know, the producer saying you have to go on the air and yeah. he's like, well, maybe I can't, you know, my lawyer said it's, you know, yes. and then he just kind of wanders off into that walk. Yeah. yeah. Like just a whole you know, bunch the, of emotions going across. His oh face my God. His face just walk. changing for, yes, yeah. exactly. It's just incredible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. So, I thought he would walk out the door though, not find himself like huddled in that utility room, but yeah, it's, a, it's very non-committal. He gets to, uh, and this is something that's kind of a theme in the episode too, is like this constant self-flatulation that um, mm-hmm. he has to not only like put her attacks on him, like in front of these people at the party he's having, mm-hmm. he has to do like the good tweet, bad tweet in the car. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, like you said, he could walk out and just be like, okay, well, you know, I'm going to have to go home, lick my wounds and like, we'll deal with this tomorrow. But he doesn't, he like goes into that utility closet and like watches her like berate him in real time. <laughs> it's, it's yeah. Crazy, right? I mean, it's, to some extent, I guess he feels like he's taking away the power of it by getting in front of it, but I don't know how successful that is. Yeah. I don't, yeah, I don't think it, it yeah. works that well. <laughs> and then the other side of that coin, of course, is all that happens with Shiv that, right, where, you know, first it's that conversation they have at the gala where it's actually, this is another great performance on his part too. And uh, is that realization when she's there, like kind of to do spin control for uh, mm-hmm. for the family. And that's like what Kendall used to do. And he's like, oh, I feel bad for you, Shiv. And he really means it. And I think that hurts mm-hmm. her the most. If he was mm-hmm. deflecting or, you know, she's talking very generically about like, oh, we got to reform only happens from the inside and blah, 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 blah. And uh, he realized like, oh, that's what I used to do. So yeah. he's like, oh, that's you now. Okay. I see. Uh, I feel bad for you, Shiv. I don't think he's saying it to be mean. He's just saying it as a fact. And that hurts her way more. Yeah. You know? And then of course, there's the direct attack by him playing uh, <laughs> rape me at the. Uh... <laughs> and then there's that. <laughs> I mean, it seemed like, um, there was so much talk about like, is he coming in? Is he coming in? Is right. he coming in? And I thought like, there must be some other meaning to that that I'm missing. I didn't think it could be so simple as like, literally, is he physically showing up at the office? I yeah. thought there must be some double meaning that I wasn't getting, but it literally just meant, is Kendall going to show up at the office? Yeah, he's going to show up and, and like basically throw a, a wrench in the works. Yeah. The uh, weirdest thing that happens there, by the way, not weirdest, but one of the kind of more telling things that happens, that whole circumstance is also the fact that, you know, you see him listening to another one of these um, monologues the next morning uh, by Sophie um, Mm -hmm. Awobi, whatever her name is. So he's listening to that and he's getting wounded by these attacks, even though he says he's not. Mm -hmm. And his reaction is the one place he still has that he could really like uh, make waves is there at the the, the town hall. The town Uh, hall, yeah. Yeah. He needs to like do something to like reassert himself. And like the only place he knows that he can always make waves, he can always get a reaction is with his family, right? And that's, that's, he goes back to that pattern again. It's so self-defeating in ways, but of all the things he does this week that is probably the thing that he does that really does score a lot of damage although oh my god yeah backfires too right (laughs) 
it backfires too, right? Because, um, you know, what she does to him after that is pretty horrible too. It is, but the timing of the FBI raid might yep. make Saves that yesterday's him. news pretty fast, right? Because mm-hmm. that's a big thing. Oh, it's in the news, right? I guess he's watching it literally on his phone, right? I think so. Yeah. Like it's I mean, out. I mean, that's what they kept yeah. saying, right? Like it's out. Everybody sees it. They've made it very clear. They said several times, like everybody can see this. The FBI is in the lobby and that there's uh, news vans outside. So this is like, you know, it's been leaked. Oh, sorry. Sorry. I meant, um, I meant Shiv's statement. Uh, yeah. Oh I yeah. Shiv's statement. Absolutely. As well, though. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, I do give the siblings credit for not signing on, right? Roman and Connor couldn't in yes. the end pull yeah. the trigger on doing something that cruel to him. And I think that tells us, you know, something that we already knew, I guess, about their character, I think, all three of them. Um, But yeah, right on the tails of that is the FBI raid that everybody knew was coming, but nobody really did anything to get in front of. (laughs) So, right. (laughs) Yeah. Another fascinating thing I thought in the episode was Shiv and Tom, or Tom in general, uh, his multiple interactions. But first of all, you know, Shiv comes home. Tom has met with a lawyer. We don't know which lawyer it is, but a friend of his has recommended he talk to a lawyer. And he comes in and he says, look, I talked to this lawyer and he says, I'm going to do jail time if this, you know, things play out the way he -hmm. would assume they would play out. So he's like, what if I sacrifice myself? And Shiv is like, hmm, that's not a bad idea. You know, dad would love it, you know. And uh, and I thought she was being sarcastic. We read it differently. Oh, no, I thought I thought she was being serious about it at first. Mm -hmm. And, and, uh, And then, of course, he does go and talk to Logan about it. And when I'm watching this, I'm thinking to myself, I hope. He's testing them, but I'm like, I don't think he is testing them. But then after Logan says, oh, you know, that won't be necessary, but, oh, you know, thanks for making that offer. He kind of like just thinking it out. And then when he looks back to, you know, the press secretary who's there at the time, you see uh, Matthew McFadden's face change, like Tom's face changes. There's like a weird expression on his face that I can't quite read. And then he walks back and he immediately pulls out a slip of paper and he's calling this uh, Rex, whatever his name yes. is, this uh, lawyer. So the reason I asked what I was asking you is the way I interpret it is that he is calling that lawyer. He was testing the waters and he's thinking about protecting himself. That's the way I read it. I'm trying to give Tom some credit here for having some. But- Survival instinct. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, but, but how did you read that? So Make a formal statement or something? Yeah, go ahead. Let me tell you what happened to me. Yeah, okay. I was, as I generally am, very easily distracted. I did <laughs> okay. have my phone in front of me while I was watching this. I happened to be scrolling Twitter and while I purposefully avoid discussions of the show because I don't want things to get in my head at the precise moment of that scene, strangely enough, I saw a random tweet from someone that I don't even follow. I guess someone retweeted, whatever. Tom's wearing a wire. Oh, interesting. At the precise moment I was watching that scene. So then all I could think about was, is Tom wearing a wire? Right. That's actually not a bad. And I was not even watching the show live, which makes it even crazier. (laughs) Well, that is very weird. Isn't it? (laughs) Someone was just watching at the exact moment that they were watching the same thing at the same time. Wow. That's very strange. On Monday afternoon. (laughs) (laughs) Was it Joel in the other room? (laughs) He's got a Twitter handle. You don't know. So (laughs) I don't even know if it was meant to go with that scene. Right. But that's when I saw it. I think would have to be going with that scene, right? Because what else would he? Um, I know? mean, maybe the conversation with Shiv. I don't know. Yeah. What's so crazy about it is now I'm just replaying the conversation in my mind. I don't. I think they're so careful about 
what they say, even around each other that I think that maybe because they don't trust each other or maybe they're just so well practiced yeah. at, you know, it's like mob talk. Like, no, you never actually say what yeah. you're saying. That maybe they're just so well practiced at it that they don't notice anymore. But, um, but, but yeah, like, I, I don't even think that anything she said is that incriminating, right? Because it makes it sound like, and, and honestly, you know, Tom was the guy who was, you know, the helm at the, at, with a lot of, for a lot of that stuff and definitely during the cover. Yeah, that's fair. So yeah. he is definitely going to, Right. Honestly, what, what could he do? I was going to say he could throw himself at the mercy of the court. But if he really does, they pin all this stuff on him. He's going to jail for life. Like, yeah, you're better just... off making a deal. Like, I'll right. tell you what I know for. Because exactly. they bigger want a bigger fish. fish. Exactly. Yeah. They're going to be like, you were just a patsy. We know. Right. You yeah. were just put there because they knew that, you know, there was going to be another shoe dropping and you were the you'd be the fall guy. But um. and then in the meantime, right, he's angry at Greg for protecting himself. Right. Yep. Well, I you mean, know, but Greg. Then, yeah. yeah, go ahead. He, he is, but that doesn't surprise me at all because everyone's basically just purely self-interested. So they're like, they would definitely do the same thing, but they're simultaneously, uh, you know, critical of the other person for, you know, being savvy and trying right, to protect Right, but themselves. I'm saying Tom is maybe similarly torn about protecting himself versus loyalty to the family. And, uh, you know, Greg's made his decision and now he wants to punish him for it by putting him in a supply closet, right? <laughs> right, right. Like, <laughs> I mean, like, not oh, closet, it was a supply room, but oh, still... Oh. <laughs> It's still pretty spacious, you know. <laughs> it was spacious, but nobody wants to work where the copier is. <laughs> oh, especially you know they they really make an, a point of showing him inside. Greg showing him like kind of laying back in his uh, cozy chair with like you know a big wall of windows, <laughs> and yes. then showing it a disparity mm-hmm. one minute later of him being in his new windowless place. supply <laughs> supply room. Yeah. Speaking of Greg, by the way, I I dinged him in this uh, episode for you know I'm like I keep talking about how. I'm impressed at how he inadvertently in some ways, I call it like falling up, but it's like, you know, he keeps uh, succeeding at making the right decisions. I thought I dinged him this week for the whole situation with uh, the watch. The watch? Yeah. I feel like, you know, him getting pressured <laughs> into buying the watch was like very stupid for him. And, very uh, stupid. But I yes. also thought it was a very stupid thing for Kendall to put his foot down and be like, I'm not buying him that watch. Yes. And also. being like, dude, that guy's got, he's got the goods. Like he's the one yeah. who's got the smoking gun. Uh, you should be a little more, uh, you know. Yeah, bad judgment on Kendall's part. And I'm not entirely sure what's going on with Kendall. Is it drugs? Is it some sort of personality disorder? But something's wrong. Yeah, I'm wondering about that too, whether he's back on drugs again. You know, he has, you know, his new girlfriend could be a bit of a facilitator. Although right. I think she's also trying to clean up her act. Right. So I wouldn't be surprised if they are using, but they are like kind of moderating it to some extent. Mm. But um, but I don't know when I see him like waking up in the morning and he's having that reaction and he's like, we're going in. And uh, and then we see him the night of. I don't see that as him being wasted in those moments. I think he's pretty clear headed. Um, he does have obviously he makes bad choices because he has some weird psychology he's trying to figure out. But uh, I think there's some kind of manic aspect. Oh, there sort. definitely is. Yes, I think that that I think he definitely has some. <laughs> so I don't know whether that's place. just being caused by a chemical reaction in his brain or uh, consuming a chemical. <laughs> yeah, he definitely has manias. Like there's no doubt yeah. about that. He goes from these like really hyperactive time. Yeah, know, like that weird OJ comment in the car yeah. in like the first episode, right? Like that was creepy oh we never call that out by the way where he's just like oh i feel like oj yeah, who like, wants uh, to feel well, like at, oj yeah yeah, yeah yeah greg says greg says uh oh i feel like oj oh it goes only without the murder and he goes who yeah. said i never killed anybody i'm like oh my god what are you talking about dude like, and that creepy smile that went with it yeah exactly uh, <laughs> who said i never killed anybody oh my god great that person is not right <laughs> exactly exactly not the thing you joke about right so yeah <laughs> 
yeah, so I really like this episode. Oh, I, the one thing I wanted to call out, I was kind of critical of some of the things last week going like, okay, we've kind of seen this before, you know, this kind of interaction between the siblings. But I thought that mm-hmm. th- it kind of set up this week really well because I liked, you know, the, yeah. the, the usual pattern is, you know, we hear Kendall trying to make his pitch and then like everything kind of goes back to status quo. Yes. And that wasn't the case this week. I feel like, you know, all of a sudden, like those seeds that Kendall planted are actually taking root because, yeah. you know, you see the siblings throwing this stuff back at the dad going like, come on, dad, you did know, or Roman. Um, oh, how about that fly yeah. fishing anecdote? Yes. Right? Yeah. I definitely want to oh talk about goodness. that. Oh my goodness. I forgot yeah. about that for a second. Yeah. yeah. I want to talk about the whole thing there too, because I was wondering what your opinion of that was. Cause uh, I was kind of agreeing with what you were saying, going like, you know, Logan's not really that terrible guy. He's really just kind of a sign of his generation. I know. And I said that all before this episode. I yeah, exactly. Say. That's, <laughs> That's specifically why I wanted to get your feedback. Yeah, because, no, I watched this episode and I yeah. was like, all right, yeah, this is pretty bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I felt the same way. I was just like, because you made a pretty Even compelling- putting sending Kendall to jail aside, it's still <laughs> right, pretty bad. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's where I kind of felt like, you know, yeah. I agree because uh, mm-hmm. I thought this exact same thing. That's why I wanted to yeah. bring it up with you because you made kind yep. of a good argument to me last week. And I'm like, yeah, you're right. In yeah, a lot of I was ways, eating just my kind- words. Yeah. <laughs> and then when I saw this episode, I'm like, yep. okay, so no one wants to do this thing. You get him to do it, and then yeah. he goes up there and does it, and then you make fun of him for it. I'm like, what the? <laughs> like this, the most twisted psychology. <laughs> so I'm like, terrible, no. yeah. just terrible. And then he does that whole thing that, that that whole standard deflection where it's like, you know, you, you you know, you make fun of somebody, and then you know they see that they're hurt, and you're like, oh, I'm just kidding, just kidding, just kidding. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then you see where Roman, by the way, who does that same thing. That well, there's where Roman got it from. Right? Yeah, so it's. Uh, mm-hmm. So I'm like, well, there's that whole toxic relationship all over these two. So I'm like, yeah, I mean, how could you not? Like, I understand. Listen, um, these like titans of industry, whatever, especially of that time, I do think it's unreasonable to be like, you should be spending more time with your family. Like, I do think like people make decisions and there are and people benefit from those decisions. And I think, you know, I, I very much like as a working mom, I am very much of the like, you can do anything, but you can't do everything. Right. Like you have to make choices. And like, that's the choice that family made. So in that way, I don't fault him for not being around for his kids more, but there wasn't a single memory involving him, like at Christmas or a birthday or I don't know, like something relatable that he could come up with where the dad was actually present. Like that is pretty, pretty bad. <laughs> Twofold. First of all, the fact that he literally could not come up with a single memory that the guy who came in there to for the Coach interview, him, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, who is basically, um, you know, who has suggestions that like Logan and other people have suggested and yeah. they don't have anything to suggest either. So he has to make up this story. Like you said, it's crazy. And then on top of all that is just like, oh, I saw you on the TV tonight after begging them mm-hmm. all to do this and nobody wants to do it. And Roman gets stuck with it. And then he comes on there. And he goes and confronts him and he's just like, oh, oh, I heard you. I saw you crying on TV. Mm-hmm. I love my daddy. I want my daddy. And I'm mm-hmm. like, are you kidding me? Like, are it's you kidding cruel. me? <laughs> it's, it's so cruel. cruel. These people who have that all they're trying to do is impress their dad, who have mm-hmm. no memories mm-hmm. of their father, who this person puts his neck out of line, has yeah. to make up a story and he gets mocked for it. I'm like, all right, this guy is irredeemable. <laughs> it's like, what is this? Like, this is crazy. No, just like, I, I mean, I, like I really... with all the business stuff is bad enough because obviously, you know, horrible 
these allegations and everything that they're trying to cover up, obviously horrible stuff, but you know, he's trying to save the company. So in a way you can kind of have like some kind of distancing from it, but the way he treats his kids is so horrendous. It's like, what's up with it's that? Terrible. Yeah. It's terrible. So, yeah. And I also did like that scene and you referenced it just for a minute earlier between Logan and Shiv yeah. where she's like really dipping her toe in the water about like, but did you know how much did you know? You must have known, but maybe you didn't know. Like, Right. I thought that was a really interesting scene to watch where he just ends it by saying like, you'll never see a piece of paper that's going to make you feel like embarrassed of me or like ashamed of anything I've done or something right. like that. Right. And then she kind of like has this relief on her face. So she really yeah. wanted to hear that. Yeah. And, uh, but mm-hmm. it's like this kind of this constant plausible. I think this is the thing that's makes Shiv so unlikable. It's this constant plausible deniability. It's like, she yeah. knows that this is all baloney. But, but she she's going needs- to set up the situation so exactly. that she has the excuse. Exactly. And and she yeah. buys it. Like she wants to hear the words and then she could be like, mm-hmm. okay, good. Yeah. So she'll, she'll believe it. But it's like, she's sitting there going like, convince me knowing that it's a lie, but she yeah. just wants to be convinced. And now she can go forward and do all yeah. these horrible things. Because- and she'll press a little bit, but right. not too much, just right. a little bit to say that she did. Right. You know, and then not take it that extra step where the person would really be backed into a corner and have to admit something she doesn't want to hear. Right. And the whole dynamic, once again, is the, I just keep circling back to this, the dynamic of the family, which is the thing that I find so fascinating here is so interesting because they treat their dad, who's this Titan, who's like killed, you know, figuratively, maybe literally hundreds of people yeah. over the, yeah. the, the his career. And they treat him like with kid gloves. And it's so funny because they're totally terrified of him. They all want to impress him and they don't want to hurt his feelings and all this other stuff. And meanwhile, we'll attack each other in the most brutal cutting Mm -hmm. ways, Mm -hmm. like as if, you know, like they're afraid that, oh, God forbid we hurt dad too much. Who knows what's going to happen? He'll like be depressed and, you know, um, and then we'll feel really bad about that. And then she'll like issue that press release, which is like this will destroy Kendall, you know, and she could care less. And it's so weird, this dynamic. And, And by the way, I think it is true among siblings and people can be this way. They idolize their parents and they vilify their siblings. I think that does happen, but I just find it very interesting to see it played out because. Well, although in their defense, in the very first episode of the show, they tried to take a stand against their dad to his face and he had a stroke. (laughs) (laughs) Good point. They didn't really take much of a stance, by the way. They just, they weren't going- Well, they got one sentence out and he had a stroke. (laughs) Well, I mean, but remember, I mean, because I just rewatched recently, but it's like, oh, I guess you watched recently too. But I mean, remember that what they wanted to sign off on, all they were at, all he was asking for was that Masha would get two votes. He would get his vote and like basically get two votes on the, the board, right? So- they're not signing off and he goes like that would be like that would be my perfect birthday present can you please sign that for me so it's not even like they're saying like we are going to take the company out from under your feet which of course this is much worse than that by the way right well this, but if this that was, was going to give her the majority to have the final say on everything so oh, they right. would have been losing control well i mean they still would have i mean once again it goes back to this you know this what's the uh, frustration on the show um I, I mean it's the frust it's the frustration within the show intentionally that um you know, the only way anyone could really take him down is, you know, you have to kind of get all the siblings and like uh, his brother and, uh, you know, uh, yeah. Stewie, mm-hmm. you know, with Stewie, like Stewie has to go out and like buy uh, Stewie and uh, Sandy have to go out and buy like all the random shares they can they get right to be able to take leverage on the board. Right. So it has to be like a concerted effort where everybody's rowing in the exact same direction. And these people will never do that for each other ever. <laughs> so it's like, well, what's the, what's you know, how is this ever going to work? Um, and I mean, I guess that's 
the I guess it's a, the trajectory of the show is to see that actually happen. But uh, and what right. what would actually takes for these people to come together? But up until this point, you know, obviously they have so much animosity that I can't imagine these siblings because I mean, so core to this for all those other supporting folks to jump into this deal they need the siblings to come on board and they're not, and the siblings are, and of course the brother, I mean, the brother, the father, of course, is intentionally playing them all against each other. Cause he knows as long yes. as he keeps them separated from each other, you know, yes. Tell me what you think about this. I thought that this is kind of like a metaphor for politics. Also. I feel like that. I always think that there's like this handful of special interests on both sides that are really have all the political power. And the way that they basically stay in power is by basically never allowing us to actually talk about what needs to happen. They basically have us divided by masking or not masking, whether it's um, racial tensions, whether it's, you know, whatever it happens to be the issue of the day that it's like, how do we get these people to fight amongst themselves? And therefore, <laughs> you know, everything just keeps going as is. And they just kind of, they're distracted fighting among themselves, right? So in other words, it's a strategy. It's not a bug in the software. Feature, right? Yeah. <laughs> I think it's an analogy in that like interpersonal dynamics stay the same regardless of the context, right? right? Like, you know, you can have the same thing play out in a lot of different arenas. So yeah, in that way, I definitely do agree with you. So that was some scintillating conversation, Sona. It sure was. <laughs> so insightful. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So this episode, Lion in the Meadow. What's up? Uh, no, nothing. Um, your dad just wants to see me, uh, uh, like right away in his apartment, like, like right now. Okay. Um, sure. You should go. Yeah? Yeah. It means you have weight, bro. You're an asset. I just, I, I have, like, this, I have this, like, stupid worry that I'm gonna over and there will be like goons and stooges and rough jacks there to administer a beating. Well, honestly, he'll try to turn you against me, right? Yeah. And that's fine. Mm hmm Because you're not going to turn against me. No, 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 no Are way. you going to turn against me? <laughs> no way, man. I'm sturdy. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a sturdy birdie. That's right. Say it three times before the cock crows, brother. Cock-a-doodle-doo. Okay, knuckle up, big bird. First thing I had to, to mention on this one was uh, the title. Mm -hmm. Two things with the title. First is, when I think of Lion in the Meadow, not Lion in the Meadow, but I thought of the Lion in Winter. Yeah, which I have heard of, but I don't know much about it. So I am going to, spoilers for a 60-year-old movie, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> How dare you. <laughs> but here is the synopsis from Wikipedia. It's Christmas 1183, and King Henry II, Peter O'Toole, is planning to announce the, his successor to the throne. The jockeying for the crown, though, is complex. Henry has three sons and wants his boy, Prince John, played by Nigel Terry, to take over. Henry's wife, Queen Eleanor, Catherine Hepburn, has other ideas. She believes their son, Prince Richard, played by Anthony Hopkins, a little baby Anthony Hopkins, should be king. <laughs> As the family has various schemers gather for the holiday, each tries to make the indecisive king choose their option. Mm -hmm. So, Lion in Winter, obviously, 
interesting here, right? That we're talking about successors. And talking I, about I, I will yeah, also say, while you were Googling, I Googled myself and uh, I, I didn't Google myself. I myself <laughs> was Googling. And, um, although everyone should Google themselves now and then to see what <laughs> yes, comes up. But, um, yes. Anyway, one of the things that came up when you Google lion in winter is it says people also ask, what does the phrase lion in winter mean? Mm-hmm. And there's a UK site that says, it means a proud, prominent, strong man whose great strength and dignity have been eroded by age and adversity. Yes. So definitely that's the, 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 um, mm-hmm. the, the, the phrase itself means. And then, of course, the, the title. For Context. That, of yeah. That, that. So, yeah, I mean, we're talking about succession. We're talking about a lion. In this case, lion in the meadow rather than lion in winter. But it is set during winter, obviously. But lastly, the lion in the meadow is also a children's book which I read, by the way, all nine pages of it for this very podcast. <laughs> and basically, you were going to tell me you read it to your daughter. Okay. <laughs> I read it myself, actually. Mm-hmm. One of those YouTube videos that I've discovered, by the way, that they have YouTube videos where people read books out loud to their kids uh, or for your kids, I guess. But anyway, very simple story of a boy who goes out into the meadow and finds a lion, which he's afraid of, which is probably an imaginary character. It's left a little bit ambiguous. And then uh, goes back home, tells his mom, there's a lion in the meadow. He's afraid. So she gives him a matchbook. Not the best idea, by the way, although nothing bad happens. And that tells her that if he opens the matchbook, the match box, that uh, a dragon will come out and scare away the um, lion. And in his imagination, anyway, a lion, I mean, a dragon does emerge from the box and scares the lion. And the lion actually, they, the boy and the lion hide together. And uh, turns out the lion's not so bad and they befriend each other. And that's the end of the story. Uh, well, so, first of yeah. all, that's a recipe for a forest fire. <laughs> yes, um, very dangerous. Very dangerous. <laughs> Second, there's so much I don't understand about children's literature, but that's a conversation for another day. Oh, yes, I, I, I would love to have that conversation, by the way. I find it so fascinating. We get all these books that are supposed to be like the best kids books. And I'm like, so what exactly was the point of that? Some of it I can see, like not, you know, some of it's kind of like riffing on this Dr. Seuss thing almost where you're introducing them to concepts and words and rhyming words, et cetera. That I get, but some of these like, you know, um, metaphorical uh, stories, I'm like, kind of like, so what's, uh, what are we really getting out of this? <laughs> and maybe this I, is I mean, I content. honestly find a lot of it quite disturbing and upsetting. I agree. <laughs> um, I, I don't understand. And I probably don't read to my kid as much as they should for that reason. I, I, they should all be like, don't let the pigeon drive the bus level as far as I'm concerned. But <laughs> <laughs> Right. right. Lion in Winter, uh, as far as the title, which it's actually Lion in the Meadow once again, but it does. Yeah. So what's up with that? Like, why yeah. is it, it, it? It seems very on the nose, but then why yeah. isn't it called Lion in Winter? Right. That's what I think is interesting about it is that are we supposed to maybe potentially are they planting a seed here that the lion and the boy, uh, Kendall and his father, will actually end up, you know, being teamed up because they inadvertently, I mean, we'll break down the episode in a minute, but they inadvertently do have to kind of rely on each other at one point. And they're kind yes. of forced, reforced yes. to rely on each other throughout this entire interaction, although it doesn't really go that well for them, but we'll get into all that. As on the nose as the lion in the winter thing is, like, I, I agree with you that maybe the children's book has some importance here just because the title is the exact same and why change it? Otherwise, this didn't, I know the beach was meadow-like, but it wasn't a meadow, right? Right. Yep. So. 
and you know, Lion in Winter would have fit perfectly considering that despite exactly. the fact that Adrian Brody talks about how beautiful it is outside, he is wearing how many layers? 18 he layers of clothing. <laughs> he has got a scarf. He's got, I mean, what is he wearing there? I mean, he's got, he's got a, a t-shirt, a button up, yeah. which might be a flannel, a hoodie, a vest, a, vest. Yeah, a, hat, a, hat. a scarf. Yeah. Does he have gloves uh-huh. on? Like what? <laughs> yeah, it's a beautiful Same. day for a walk insane his, i mean he's got a lot of layer options i gotta say he could he could survive in any climate he could go from uh from from 30 to, to 90 so he's got a lot of options which is i guess yeah i mean i also think um he's a very lanky guy not much body fat to keep him yep. warm maybe sure. but also like the fact that he could wear all these layers and not look like the michelin man he's very slight of frame i think <laughs> <laughs> this is a good point he's got so many layers and he still looks like he weighs about 100 right pounds, like my right. arms would be out to my sides <laughs> if i tried <laughs> yeah like when you bundle up the kids yeah <laughs> you can, like, roll them down the street <laughs> exactly just roll away <laughs> i really loved early on the episode where um tom goes to see greg and oh, tom boy. says <laughs> asks greg th- there's a lot of stuff to talk about the tom greg interactions in this episode by the way but he t- asks him if he's um you know if greg's loyal to them because he won't sign the paperwork originally yeah and uh and greg says that he's a sturdy birdie <laughs> 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 to which to which tom replies um, say that three times before the cock crows, <laughs> which is supposed to be like when Jesus was betrayed, right? So that's is that right? Yeah, I you know they, I'm not Christian, so I don't no. get some of these biblical allusions. <laughs> to which, to which, to which Greg replies, "Cock a doodle do." Yes, <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny. That just the fact that Tom takes this from like sturdy birdie to like a Judas reference to cock a doodle do was so ridiculous and hilarious. <laughs> Oh boy. <laughs> and then we have another really funny interaction is when um, Kendall jumps onto the uh, conference call. Uh-huh. And what did he call himself? The little Lord Fuckleroy? Fuckleroy? Fuckleroy yeah. to that. Yeah. I like how that like it's announced when he drops in and drops out of the call too, which of course is exactly how that works. Uh, yeah, I mean that's exactly what happens. Yeah. <laughs> I also just like Kieran Culkin, who's had a great week this week, by the way, with his mm-hmm. SNL hosting gig that got rave reviews. Yes, but, I heard that. Uh, I haven't watched it all yet, but he, I mean, I haven't funny. watched any of it. But I love the uh, his um first of all his facial reactions <laughs> to uh to the jokes, and then that he just undercut. I mean, he just explicitly says it when he goes conference call jokes are the best jokes. <laughs> Which yes, I, think all had I that mean experience. honestly. Like at my last job, everyone just stopped even giving their name because it was so annoying. You would just <laughs> right. say like, say your name and hit pound key. And there would be the pause and everyone would just hit pound because we all know who's invited to the call. We all know who's RSVP to the call. Why are we going to? Oh, I especially can't stand when people do the whole, you know, they do the whole introduction of who they are. Oh, blah, 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 blah at the office at blah, 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 blah. So not only do you have to like in the middle of the call, have all these people coming in with yes. these long intros, but then when they drop off, they're all to have these like five sentence explanations of who they are dropping in and dropping <laughs> off. So it just eats another, te- I mean, as if conference calls yeah. are annoying enough, it just adds another 10 minutes to, really? the, to, the, to the whole thing. I thought you were going to say another funny moment was the rum and coke scene. Oh, I love that scene. Yeah, that comes a little <laughs> later on. I definitely have notes on that. But yeah, I do have that. That comes pretty early in the episode two where Greg, goes to meet with Logan. Listen, you have some leverage, just a little. So why don't you fuck off and think about what you want to ask for to come on side and I'll see what I can do, okay? Fair, fair deal. Or not a deal, but, but a, uh, a plan. Shall I uh, chug, chug this or? I can, I can chug it. 
Good. Thank you, Logan. <sighs> I don't know how you did it back in the 60s. Different times. Different times indeed. Better times? Not, not for all. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, not for all back in the 60s, right? That's oh, a great boy. Time. But yeah, the meat of this episode, and there's uh, there's still stuff to talk about here with like uh, Frank and Logan's interactions and how they undercut um, Shiv and like, mm -hmm. but the meat of this episode, obviously the biggest part of this, and I think the thing I really want to talk the most about is uh, they go to see Josh, who owns four and a half percent, going back to something I discussed in an earlier recap, where it's like everybody just is, you know, everybody's just trying to use these little wedges of power they have to, you know, kind of move the paws, uh, pawns on the board to get, you know, to basically have a strong front to present. And that uh, nobody's got like, you know, maybe Logan does have somewhere close to 50%, but really everybody's just kind of angling with these relatively small pieces. And to that point, you have Josh, this character played by Adrian Brody, very well, I think in this episode, by uh, who has four and a half percent of all the stock, which is worth hundreds of millions of dollars from what he says uh, to them later on. And um, he basically knows that, you know, hey, it's only four and a half percent. These people really normally wouldn't pay attention to me, but he's going to test the waters. It's interesting. He talks to about how he's a gambler, you know, and I think he doesn't mean just a gambler in business. He probably is legitimately a gambler because this whole thing feels to me like a game of poker. So he is mm -hmm. um, like trying to feel out everybody's hands. Right. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and I thought that was very interesting. He, first of all, pulls a power play only with four and a half percent of stock. Usually would probably be getting ignored, but he wants to see how desperate are these guys for my allegiance. So he says, my daughter's sick. Mm -hmm. If you want to meet me, you guys got to jump on a helicopter and come uh, visit me. Right. And uh, of course, they, it's, it's a private jet, right? It's not even a helicopter, right? So it was like, you know, I was trying to figure out the logistics of this. And uh, my husband was there for a few minutes and we were working on it together, even that like, it seemed to be a helicopter to a private plane. Oh, good point. Because yeah, on a plane at some point. Yep. Yeah. Led me to like maybe the Cape or Martha's Vineyard or Maine even. I, I don't know. Good point. Yeah. I was thinking Staten Island or something, but it's a good point. Because why would you need a jet? I mean, you get a, you helicopter. Get a helicopter to the Hamptons. So right. I don't know why the plane would come into play. Yes. But I assume it's, yeah. I mean, we didn't see any skyline or anything. So we obviously, well, that would be ridiculous. No one's going to jet over to, to like, you know, uh, Jersey city or something. Seems excessive. Yeah. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so yeah, maybe the Hamptons, maybe. But, no, you uh, can helicopter to the Hamptons. That's true. what I'm saying. You don't take a plane. And it seems to get there pretty quickly. I mean, if we trust, I mean, we can't always trust the timeline in the show because sometimes they're just doing things to make it convenient. But um, it seems like he's having conversations. You know, it's not like he jumped on a plane for 12 hours because it seems yeah. like he's having continuing conversations on the phone with the people back at the office. Maybe the Cape. I don't know. Anyway, regardless. Yes. He's pulling a power play by making them come out there. And he wants to say, will yes. they come, right? If they're in a position of power, he's probably thinking they're not going to come all the way out here. But they did. And more importantly than that, they come on different planes. Mm -hmm. More importantly than that, they show up at his house at a different time. So mm -hmm. are they on the same page? Why are they not traveling together? So of course he's feeling all this out. And I think it's very interesting to see how these little interactions are like he's poking to see who's strong, what hand do they have? And uh, you even see him like kind of taking Logan's side at one point, taking Kendall's side at the other point mm -hmm. and saying, see like, okay, where 
you know, and trying to see if he gets any kind of um, sense of weakness. And boy, does he get a lot of sense of weakness, I think, right? I mean, listen, this guy clearly is a jerk. <laughs> and, <laughs> right. um, and in in real life would likely be just unbearable to be around, but would be surrounded by people that enjoy being around him for his wealth. Yeah, he's clearly playing them against each other from the start. I mean, okay, first of all, they've got the sick daughter thing going where he's just exercising his control. And then with Kendall, he clearly is very dismissive of him. You know, when Logan shows up, it's like the conversation stops mid-sentence, like, oh, now somebody important's here. So, so, you know, he's making Kendall feel like crap and, you know, wanting to to see how he's going to react with that. And then conversation shifts to like, let's go for a walk in the cold on the beach on the uneven ground, Mm -hmm. 80-year-old man or however old he's supposed to be. I mean, who does this? I mean, just like some sense of human decency, right? Like, (laughs) and Logan, you can see is kind of like, why on earth are you asking me to do this? But I'm not going to show any weakness by saying I won't do it, but I think this is insane and stupid, you know? So um, you know, they're all uh, trekking around trying to prove their metal somehow by the fact that they can take a walk on the beach in the cold. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> the core business is the core business and the volatility is priced in now. So it's all upside from here. Safest option. Back me. Sit tight. Count your gold in your castle here and I'll make you whole. Okay. No, it doesn't work like that. Can we take a walk? Hmm? Look at this fucking New York wiseacre. No, seriously, come on. <laughs> it's so beautiful, it's disgusting. I mean, huh? I'll walk. Yeah. How far? Come on, Dad, let's walk it out. Yeah? Shall I send the cart for you, or, or shall we walk? Sure. Let's walk. Good, good. Nice. Love it. Fucking King Kong come out to dance for me. I'm on it. Well, you know what? I would say that to your assessment there, you say he's clearly a jerk. He's definitely a jerk in his interactions with the family, but I don't, and it may bear out that he ends up being a total jerk, by the way. I'm not going to take, you know, defend him that uh, aggressively, but I would say that I don't necessarily read these specific interactions that way, but that doesn't necessarily mean that he's a jerk. It just means that he's a trying to push them like you know playing poker you're trying to bully the table to see where people are weak or strong but simultaneously this is his opportunity to maybe bully someone who is a bully okay but that doesn't make him not a jerk first of all and second he had his servants come out to the end of the island with this like seven course dinner that nobody seemed to have touched he doesn't know his way home dude (laughs) he's a jerk the, the, of all the things you've said, first of all, I think that the fact that he's actually being unkind to this, you know, uh, to, to um, Logan, who's obviously an older man, but Logan's also the first person who would like not acknowledge the fact that he's weakened, right? So part of this is part of this. I power know, play, but right? you don't play around with people's well, uh, physical health, you know? You know, the, the point that you'd mentioned that hits, that resonates the most with me is exactly what you said, where they just wander ra- randomly walk out for who knows how long, an hour, an hour and a half. 
to have just people standing out there with like, you know, shellfish, like lobster tails, yeah. <laughs> ready to eat in the middle of winter. And so obviously they probably kept it hot somehow. So this is a very elaborate uh, extent. But then again, I guess if he's worth, you know, if he, he owns hundreds of millions of dollars of their stock, he's probably a multi-billionaire. So this is obviously he lives in a completely different world, right? His, his daughter, his supposedly sick daughter is, uh, you know, jumping into like a heated pool in the middle of uh, the dead of winter, right? So it's, I mean, I don't, I, I guess I have lost the timeline. I'm not sure if it's the dead of winter, but it's clearly not like temperate weather. Anyway. Um, I did have the impression it was winter and I'm not sure exactly why. I'm, I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm just saying I don't know for sure. It's a year. They're coming up on the board meeting, right? So it's a year from nearly the beginning of this thing through two seasons. So I ago. feel like maybe October-ish then, right? Because wasn't the Thanksgiving episode in season one? Season one I think. Thanksgiving, right? After the board meeting. So this would be, yes, yes. So Right. So correct. So they have the board meeting, then thanks. Yeah. So it's probably fall. You're right. It's probably Yeah. So it's probably winter. fall. But yeah. nonetheless, listen, by the 18 layers of clothing that Adrian Brody is wearing, it is not. And since they probably had to fly to Nova Scotia for this thing, it's probably much colder up there. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> he's, a, he's a billionaire in Nova Scotia. That's a Nova Scotia billionaire. <laughs> oh, the other thing I was going to say, though, is that, you know, so to your point about him, bullying them and pushing their buttons obviously he is loving watching them squirm he yes. he does that thing by the way that logan does also so it's kind of turning the tables here he says that he made king kong dance when he asks him to uh to walk with him right and mm. first he says do you want a cart old man but, yes and then when he says no i can walk he's like oh i made king kong dance which obviously is derogatory obviously um, and then he goes, oh, I'm honored. So it's this way of undercutting the insult, like he's immediately after saying <laughs> it, which is a very Logan thing to do, by the way, but I uh, kind of turned the table on him. There, there is this casual uh, anti-Semitism to what Logan is saying, like, oh, don't you want to- Oh go my God, yeah. Oh, I'm surprised you're out here. You, you know, why aren't you in New York, you know, eating your bagels and telling him that he's like sitting on his throne of gold or whatever it is. It's like, you know, uh, Josh probably doesn't have the best- uh, relationship with Logan. <laughs> anyway, but back at the office, we have a whole bunch of things happening, right? We have Shiv is trying to take control. He She walks in on Frank and Carl. <laughs> Carl cracks me up. He's always eating sandwiches. He almost missed the plane in the first episode when they were like in the middle of like wherever they were in the yes. Ukraine. <laughs> we ordered lunch. Because <laughs> he yeah. had to stop and get a sandwich. <laughs> and he's eating a sandwich as she walks into the, for the meeting today. But anyway, she's like kind of trying to put her foot down. Supposedly, trying to get a decision that he's asked for and he goes and like wraps her on the on, on the knuckles and tells her like don't tell frank what to do so this is very what, how do you think about that whole interaction between the dad and the, and the daughter there this is the thing i guess that like logan is struggling with from the first episode of like knowing logically speaking he is not going to live forever and somebody needs to take over and he wants to keep it in the family and he doesn't want anyone making any decisions or deciding how to run this business, but him. <laughs> right, exactly. I mean, I'm not sure what this the plan is here. Yeah. So Especially when yeah. he tells him to do one thing and then when it doesn't go the way he wants, he's like, you screwed it up. It's just like, I don't know what you right. want. <laughs> what do you want? <laughs> yes. Although, I mean, this comes back to my original or continuing criticism of Shiv, who is, you know, born on third base and thinks she hit a triple, like it it has not occurred to her that she is not qualified for this job. Right. I mean, I I actually, one of the first notes I had was, uh, you know, early on in the episode, relatively early on in the episode, she interacts with Connor and how Connor is uh, bullying her. And I'm like, man, she can't even manage Connor. (laughs) This this, this is a problem. (laughs) 
Although I got to tell you, for someone like Connor, if Connor is given like whatever the Food Network, theoretically, in this yeah. analog, right? Well, I mean, hey, I'll take that in a day. <laughs> Let's do that. Let me just uh, be the new uh, Anthony Bourdain, RIP. You know, <laughs> I'm, I'm sure he's not, he kind of doesn't have the charisma for that. But I mean, you know, to, no, to take over the, uh, <laughs> but to, to, you know, hey, give me a, a wine tasting uh, uh, yeah. program or something. Sure. Why not? Yeah. I mean, that's the whole family, right? It's like nobody wants to acknowledge that they deserve anything less than the world. So. <laughs> Right. Even when, you know, like, like I said, Hey, that sounds pretty, that sounds like a pretty nice offer to me. It's a good deal. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And I will say as much as Shiv, I think is not realizing she's not qualified for this job. I think everyone around her does know that. Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, And, and so that, yeah. a lot of what she's dealing with is that big eye roll of like, now we have to deal with the boss's daughter. But then he, but once again, Logan set her up for uh He does. Right? He does. And, but uh, I, I'm not sure their attitude would be too much better but you know what though then she goes and tries to bully the sean hannity person you know analog here uh, well, she doesn't just try she does right but i was going to say that she goes in there and uh you know to do like kind of a show of force and uh, he's like i have editorial discretion i do what i want i'm not going to go after mm-hmm. the president uh, and that's a plot point here is that the president basically because the DOJ is coming down on them, I'm going to make our coverage of the president worse. And, uh, you know, that, of course, is going to hurt his poll numbers. And, of course, he cares about that. So, you know, and as a way to like kind of um, make the DOJ back off their investigation. Uh, so she goes to say, OK, well, you have to start doing more negative coverage of the president and uh, the Hannity like character. They call him what do they call him here? Ravenhead, Ravenhead. Ravenhead, Mark, Mark, Ravenhead, yeah. Something like that. Well, they. Uh, I want to say Raven's Claw, but that's not. <laughs> yeah, I think that's not Harry Potter, right? <laughs> <laughs> but when the uh, when he goes, she goes to uh, uh, bully him, and she's like, "This isn't coming from me. This is coming from my dad." So in a way, she does manage the situation, but only by you know saying, "I am here as my dad's representative." So mm-hmm. she just is her dad's puppet when she has any power, and then when she tries to step out on her own, her dad says, "Don't do that." Right. So. Mm-hmm. It's uh, and you could see on her face when he first calls her that this is not sitting well with her. Um, yeah. Although she does her plays her role by the end, so maybe she is back on board with this whole situation. Um, beyond that, there's a whole bunch of other stuff to talk about here. <laughs> we should just talk about briefly that they're trying to disparage Kendall by getting this guy who tattooed Kendall's rap name. Yes. Jeez. So um, this was whole sequence is pretty funny. The guy, you know, they kind of like, I can still kind of see the letters on his forehead, you know, they're mm-hmm. not fully, but man, if we don't have a, and then they actually have photographs of him when he's younger with these, uh, the tattoo. Well, they paid a million dollars for the photographs. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So he gets his hands on the actual photographs and then Jerry tells him something I think is very important and something the kids need to learn that they have not learned. And that Jerry says something that once again, kind of, she is showing her strength but also revealing it to him. So maybe literally sincerely taking her, him as a mentee. Always think like, how does this improve my position, right? Yes. So she's saying, yes, this hurts Kendall. It hurts you too. So is mm-hmm. this the card you want to play, right? Yeah. And, uh, so uh, I think that's interesting. Uh, I was a little annoyed in this episode, by the way, with the, and maybe they're setting things up for the future, but with this whole thing where Roman is jealous of her going on dates. Yes. I feel like they're trying to set things up, but I don't know if the whole Roman Jerry thing is working for me right now. It's never worked for me. So, you know, I liked it last <laughs> year when it was just like, what the hell is going on? Right. Like that mm-hmm. worked for me. Cause it's just more of Roman's total crazy psychology, but now that they're trying to like 
develop it week over week. I'm like, well, where are we going with this? I don't know. What's yeah. I don't love it. Yeah, absolutely not. I don't either. Before we get to the kind of like the, the big thing that happens towards the end of this episode, I did want to talk about the whole Tom and Greg thing, because we have Tom continues to have this total meltdown. He's spiraling. Yeah. <laughs> He's still investigating these blogs to see what are the best prisons to go to. And like, hey, this one has a kosher uh, snack machine. <laughs> okay, mm-hmm. yes, that's a plus. Uh, but th- what's fascinating here is that whole conversation about like the thing he looks forward to, which which actually made me like thirsty for a cold glass of wine, by the way. Which, <laughs> and I don't even like white wine, by the way. <clears throat> but well, I do, so I can relate. <laughs> but yeah, I was like smacking my lips when he's talking about like, oh, you know, at the end of the day. Because you know what? I definitely feel that way. Like sometimes like on a really hot day when I've been out all day. Uh, a really cold like beer is like so satisfying mm-hmm. so when he's describing like this like cold glass of that first mm-hmm. glass of wine when you get home and i'm like oh yeah i know what that's like and he's like i'll never have i'm not going to have that again and he's trying to say that well at least i could maybe have toilet wine uh, <laughs> room temperature toilet wine Ooh, have ketchup fermented ketchup uh, delicious delicious <laughs> not quite the same thing anyway so he's like you know he's obviously spiraling with that and ship doesn't know what to make of him either but more importantly is he shows up at Greg's office and he basically says, hey, you know, you have some cards to play here. Have you gamed this out? And hey, Greg, he may be talking to his mom, maybe just on his own. He, once again, has gamed something out where he's like, hey, you know, mm-hmm. I can take over the amusement parks. Yep. I can do just one and then get my toes wet and then work my way up, become head of yep. operations. He's mm-hmm. not too greedy. He says, mm-hmm. hey, that would be a good. That would be an amazing place for him to land. Mm-hmm. And uh, Tom's like, oh, good, good. You're gaming this out. Meanwhile, I'll be in prison. So now all of a sudden, this thing that he supposedly threw himself onto this bonfire, he is now thinking, well, maybe this is such a great idea, which is kind of how Tom thinks all the time. Mm -hmm. But the main thing I want to talk about here is this weird, weird, so weird, sexual tension that they've had. So weird. Tom not only bullies Greg from the beginning of the show, by the way, he's always had this like weird sexual innuendo, this like rapey vibe which is so strange this whole interaction they have and he basically <laughs> says it again he's like i'm going to castrate you and take you as my concubine so it's like okay what is happening i feel here? like it all has a very like fraternity hazing feel yes. to it yeah he literally had people as his totes uh, to, um, uh footstools right it, it, when they lost a bet in season one right or was that season two? Mm. but yeah so tom very much so like you said very much like frat hazing he like i said he literally had people who lost that bet at the office, he, he used them as footstools. <laughs> so he has this weird, he has no power. He is always being bullied by his wife and by the Logans. And then he tries to exert this power a very rape, in a very rapey way, by the way, mm-hmm. uh, over these few underlings that he actually has, people who are actually like lower on the totem pole than he is. So it's very strange. All these interactions are very creepy. And it's been like a pattern since the beginning of the show. Yeah, I don't really know what's going on there. I mean, I think there's a lot of, he has a lot of pent up issues (laughs) being played out with Greg and poor Greg is just, you know, he's so street smart. He knows, you know, what he needs to put up with and he does. (laughs) And then we get to uh, like kind of like the whole uh, end game of this episode, which of course goes horribly for uh, Kendall and Logan. They end up at some random place, another power play for Josh. He wanders off to this random place on the island where shellfish is served to them, which, like you said, nobody yeah. touches this food, which has been obviously, they probably spent thousands of dollars. Labored over, yeah. Exactly. And you have a staff on hand just for this moment. Nobody touches the food. And then, uh, and of course, and then Josh, of course, is trying to 
pretend like I know this island so well and he gets lost immediately as after they leave that <clears throat> table yes but don't forget the conversation they have at the table right that's where I wanted to get to that's kind of yes. the beginning of the end here mm -hmm. is exactly that so that's my first question to you to anybody who needs a refresher that there is a conversation where Josh basically puts all the cards on the table using this poker metaphor one more time uh, he actually says I don't like betting on blood feuds, right? <laughs> Which is a very mm -hmm. good point, right? Very yes. Simple. When you yeah. have hundreds of millions of dollars on the line, I, yeah. I agree. And uh, so he asks Logan, uh, so why? Like, look at this mess you guys are in. Why should I keep my money with you? He's a good kid. <laughs> okay. Yeah. He did what he thought was best. I think he went too far, but he's a good kid. Yeah. He's a good kid, and I love him. I mean, there'll be a big number. We'll pay. He'll mew and cry, and, and I'll get it. It'll all be okay. And maybe it'll be him one day. It's in his blood. He learned it all from me. And maybe... Maybe he's the best one of all of them. So yeah, it'll be okay. Wow. Well, so that's nice to hear, right? So my question to you, is Logan sincere? I think he is. What do you think? It's hard for me to know because I think I mean, he disclaims it immediately. Exactly. Once exactly. they get off the table, once yeah. they get up from the table. He literally says, this will never cover. be yours. This will never be yours. He says it to him like five yeah. minutes later. No, I think, um, I mean, it brings me back to like the first episode. The original plan was for Kendall to take over. He was supposed to be announcing yeah. it that day. Right. Right. So I think in a less fraught context, he had made that decision that it did make sense to go to Kendall for the next generation and then you know in the end he just couldn't relinquish control plus he had a stroke and blah 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 right. um but but i think yeah it's i don't know if it's the only thing that logan believes but i think there right. is one version of reality in his head where that is true right i i, I agree with if that that makes I any think, sense yeah no i agree i think that he, he's conflicted like you said he sees the weakness in the kids he doesn't trust them and yet he wants the business to stay with the family. He wants to continue to be a family business and he's completely torn which yeah. way to go with this. But so, and then yes, in typical yeah. Logan style, the second that they get up from the table and Josh is, you know, a little bit in front of them out of earshot, Logan says that was all crap. You say whatever you have to say. And I think then the resentment starts from Kendall, right? Of like for a second, he saw there was something redeemable in their relationship. And now it's just been erased. And now this resentment comes back to the surface and they're just bickering with each other as they're on this interminable hike to nowhere. And this is also, this is also the reason that I um, uh, kind of forgive um, Josh for what happens here is because Josh gets, Josh is basically going to, like, he's still trying to play this little game where he's manipulating them and see where they go. And then he gets a call. And of course, we find out at the very end of the episode that it's Stewie. And of course, that is his next date. But I think he's like, kind of like, I need to get onto a golf cart and go meet these people at the airfield. And he's kind of like, you guys good? I'm out of here. Can't you even fucking tell him you need a breather? I'm fine. Right. 
You know, you've lied so much you don't even fucking know anymore. Your brain's scrambled egg. Look I, at you. I beat you. Pipe down. What's that? I can't hear you. <sighs> You're fucked. Uh-huh. Look at you. You're 600 years old and you've pissed off your fucking boyfriend, the president, and he's sending the feds on you and you're wriggling, but you're in too deep. Everyone knows, and now you're trying to counter, but you put Shiv in there, and she's a fucking dipshit. I hear no one respects her. Everyone's digging her out, and you're losing control, and everyone hates you. Let's just close the deal with Josh. He fucking hates you, too. Your anti-Semitic fucking bagel and gold Yo, bullshit. Oh, fuck off! You don't even know what you're saying half the time. It's like you, you're, you're fucking losing it, man. You got water. Ask your fucking iPhone. Listen, I'm gonna call the house because uh, this is the quick way, but sometimes it takes longer, so I'm, I'm checking. Listen, this guy has no idea where he is on his own estate. He has right. no idea how to find his way home. He has a shortcut that takes longer sometimes. <laughs> yeah, I love his, so, I love his explanation. Yeah. <laughs> this shortcut sometimes <laughs> takes longer, yes. I mean, I don't know. He's a jerk. That walk was supposed to prove something about Logan's oh, yeah. virility. Oh, yeah, his, absolutely. Yeah. You know, so it wasn't an option to sit and wait for the car. That's true. You, I see what you're saying, because Logan, in his own mind, he's like, it's the only way I win this is I have to keep walking. Basically. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I don't, don't want to look infirmed. I don't want not, even when his son's trying to help him walk. He's like, don't hold yeah. on to me because he's, of course, he's trying to do. Yeah. Um, no, I see your point. Absolutely. Because then, you know, it's not just that it's not just purely his hubris, but you're right. It's the only way for him to show, not that he can at this point, honestly, but for him to kind of um, convince Josh that they're still strong and together and yeah. everything else, which they, which they obviously are not. And that's the whole point. Right. And look how it. it explodes in their face. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, oh, awful. Yeah, so Logan and Kendall both at this moment, it's like this kind of come to Jesus moment for both of them where they realize, and once again, this is where I don't blame Josh so much. I know you, you you've, regardless of whether he's a nice guy or not, because Josh is just trying to show them to their face. And maybe this is what it takes for them to realize that they are not in a position of strength. They are not. And of course, this is like kind of puts it all to the fore where they obviously are not on the same page. They're pretending to like not be bickering when they are bickering. It obviously is impacting the business. And it, you know, basically comes to, you know, physically comes to uh, fruition when Logan like collapses <laughs> from this mm -hmm. walk. So, I mean, they're just like, and that, I mean, that's pretty much uh, it for the episode. You know, we basically see Logan is now recovering on the plane. Kendall's on the phone basically saying, oh, we talked him down. Yes. He's okay with us now. And they're like, what are you talking about? He's going to vote against us. And yep. uh, of course he sees on the tarmac that Stewie has arrived and yep. uh, he's giving a big hug to, um, to Josh, who of course is meeting him on the tarmac. So that's another key point there. Yep. So uh, yeah, Josh was much more enthusiastic to make that meeting than he was with theirs. And I think we all know where his head is at. And I mean, I think it's pretty explicit by the end of the episode. And a great series of jokes by Roman at the end uh, regarding Kendall trying to kill their dad. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> hey, I hear you tried to kill dad again. It was just heat exhaustion. Uh, that's not what we're hearing. We're hearing you took an old man out to die in the sun. We went for a hike with Josh. You tried to assassinate our dad with the sun. Do you have a fetish for nearly killing dad? Like, just the tip, but for, like, killing dad? But on the, you know, the, where they have a little bit of power here is that it looks like Shiv did convince uh, the host to start going after the raisin, as they call yes. the president. Mm -hmm. And the president is having a meltdown on the phone. Yes. And, uh, uh, <laughs> you know, Logan even has a little pleasure here in letting him he, letting his assistant here yeah. screaming on the phone 
so this might be a way to kind of like buy them some time with that DOJ investigation. Although I don't know, I mean, you could slow things down, but you can't really uh, stop a DOJ investigation like right after it's begun, I don't think. But we'll see how that all plays out for the rest of the season. I mean, maybe my main takeaway here at the end is just the fact that I think this is like a real awakening for the family and hopefully they take something out of this i mean i don't really care you know they're monsters so i really care if things land for them. <laughs> but you know from the perspective of the characters themselves that like i've been saying in all these recaps the only way this is going to work for the siblings versus the dad is for them to all kind of like row in the same direction and they're not capable yep. of doing that and now logan has to look at the fact that you know what it doesn't matter if Logan is, he thinks that as long as he's a strong figurehead, that no matter what the kids do, he can still like bully them. But now it's starting to look like, look, if the whole family isn't rowing in the same direction, this whole thing's going to blow up in their faces, right? Yeah. And I mean, especially when they're under a DOJ investigation, the whole idea that this thing can't survive without Logan. I mean, I think a lot of the you know, board members are going to say like, maybe the best thing we could do is get rid of Logan. <laughs> It'll save the company, mm-hmm, right? And maybe mm-hmm. he's get rid of the whole family, right? So they lose yeah. everything. And I think they have got to come to that realization because- these wheels are starting to move and they're, you know, they're going to be left behind if they don't, you know, do something collaboratively. Yep. All that being said, my general opinion of this episode, this was my least favorite episode of the season. There's a, you know, talking about it now, there was a lot of interesting stuff happening, but yeah, in, I enjoyed it. In watching it, it was less um, exciting than um, like last week, I thought was really great episode. It's like so propulsive and uh, I had an emotional reaction. This really felt like, you know, so much of it was on the island and we had so much of, you know, this interplay between the characters, which was really the meat of the episode. It really felt like a lot of maybe setting things up, but I don't know. It, it just didn't, like I said, it, it's good. I mean, the show's always good. I, I, I don't think I've ever had a bad episode of the show, but uh, it definitely wasn't the best I've seen this season. I thought it was just okay, my opinion. Hmm. I enjoyed it. The, uh, I, and I, the only, I liked yeah. it as much as last week, easily. Okay. That's hmm. good. Oh, and the last thing I was going to mention is that I think that maybe this is part of it the COVID production really felt Mm -hmm. like a COVID production here. I see. You Mm -hmm. you have to shoot outside. You have to have Mm -hmm. very few people, like everybody has like scene partners, like they're basically quarantining together. And it really felt like that, maybe more Mm -hmm. so. And maybe me being aware of that is tainting my opinion of it. Mm. But uh, but regardless, like I said, I think a lot of uh, talking about it now, in some ways, there's, it was more stuff to talk about this week than last week. Right. But yet it didn't like in watching it, I was, you know, basically I checked my watch multiple times watching this episode. Uh, maybe it was just the fact that it kept cutting back to the island back to, mm-hmm. the, maybe it was just the pacing of it was maybe mm-hmm. in a way that like last week, for example, you know, they kind of were setting up the stakes and then about halfway through they really started to, uh, you know, there was like a real propulsion to the episode, right? Like uh, once a rape me was playing <laughs> at the town hall. <laughs> <laughs> things really started picking up <laughs> and a couple of things my last notes here because i have a whole bunch of them here so they're all saying that greg signed this paperwork did he sign when did that happen i didn't see it happen but everybody said it so it must have happened so do you think that that's true or do you think that like tom is like i talked to him i know this guy he signed the paperwork like i don't know if it's true or not uh, it's interesting. I, I mean, I took it as true. I mean, I guess it doesn't have to be, though, but I took it as true. Next week, I would assume Kendall's going to have that conversation with him. Until he says so, I, I don't believe it. As much. I mean, I, it's not that I okay. don't believe it. It's not that I think it's impossible. I think if they gave him, if they actually said to him, yes, you get parks, I think that he would sign, right? I mean, he, mm-hmm. much, mm-hmm. you know, Kendall can't mm-hmm. give, him, give him that promise, right? Um, but here's the thing. Logan might not be able to give him that promise either, right? So, right. 
Hmm. Um, oh, and the last thing I'd bring up is I totally forgot in the same way that I forgot until last week that they called their dog Mondale, Tom and Shiv. Yes. In the same way I had forgotten that being like, wow, of all the Democratic figureheads you can name your dog, <laughs> Mondale, who's like, you know, lost in the biggest landslide in history. Um, in the same way that I forgot about that naming, I forgot that Kendall named his son Iverson. I know. What is that? <laughs> this says so much about Kendall. <laughs> it's oh, so what fascinating. is that? I can't remember the girl's name, but it's not something so strange. I think yeah, It's not as weird. Yeah. yeah. And they have a rabbit. They have a rabbit too. Which was a giant rabbit. Yeah. <laughs> it was just so funny that they brought you the rabbit and then they, they're making sure that someone has to be feeding the rabbit. Like it just like it's just interesting. They brought in like a FaceTiming the, the rabbit. Yeah. Is Kendall still in Rava's apartment? Because that apartment was amazing. I feel like we saw it differently than we had seen it previously. I think that might be his. He has an apartment. Is that is apartment. it back at his place now? Okay. I, I mean so. the windows alone were amazing. I'm wondering, but then if he's FaceTiming the rabbit for the kids, then I assume that is his apartment because he's probably has the rabbit. It. and then if he's away from the apartment that's when he's like telling the girls that someone has to one of the, the, the women who works uh in the pr group or one of these facilitators he has are um he says someone has to feed the rabbit so i'm assuming that's his apartment because like the kids or rava could feed the rabbit right if they if they were at rava's apartment she also seems to have a dog walker so i mean somebody could be there mm-hmm. at some time to feed the rabbit all right so uh next week it looks like we're going to see stewie and sandy and maybe Oh, you know what? I'm pretty sure we do have the shareholders meeting because I remember seeing. Yeah, like, there were some scenes that looked like it. Yeah. There's a crowd shot and they have the the father, the the I mean, his brother, who's a famous actor. Yeah, Cromwell, Cromwell. Cromwell, that he um is in the front row. Right. Um. So yeah. oh, I hadn't noticed that. But yeah, I'm pretty sure that that is the, the board meeting. So that's probably happening next week or, you know, so that is <laughs> going to obviously be, be big stakes and at the end of next week, we'll be exactly halfway through the season. So we'll see where we are as far as um, where things are going to go from that point on. So thanks, Sona. Thank you. It was a pleasure, as always. Always.